They seek him here, they seek him there. Those Frenchies seek him everywhere. Is he in heaven? Is he in hell? That damned elusive Pimpernel. motion picture Red Shoes as Baroness Orxy's immortal character, the Scarlet Pimpernel. And by the time it reached the cafes of Paris, it had the ruffians screaming with glee. Tony Dewhurst and I, disguised as farmers from the provinces, got our first inkling of the trouble at the Café des Toirats. <laughs> the aristos will not be so ready to trust the Scarlet Pimpernel now, eh, comrade? <laughs> uh, what do you suppose that's all about, Blakeney? Listen. Even an aristo will think twice before entrusting himself to the hands of the Englishman now, eh? Especially if the aristo has gone. <laughs> Perhaps the Pimpernel is on our side after all, comrades. He may take the place of Madame la Guillotine. <laughs> I don't like the sound of this, Tony. Nor do I. I wish we'd been here to hear this from the beginning. Maybe he enjoys the story enough to repeat it. Let's find out. Good evening, comrades. This uh, friend of mine and I could not help overhear you speaking of the Scarlet Pimpernel. A citizen Chauvelin finally brought the English devil to justice? No, the scoundrel has not yet been caught. Well, comrades, a wealthy Aristo and his family sought, with the help of the Pimpernel, to escape from France last week. You know the name of the Aristo, my friend? Oui, you have uh, heard of the Duke de Lamoignon? Uh, oui, we have heard of the cursed Aristo. He had a family, did he not? <laughs> you use the proper tense, comrade. Had the family. 
a wife and two daughters. They gathered together all their hidden gold and possessions. Once he had them aboard the ship and out of the port, the Duke and his family were set upon and beaten, then thrown into the sea. And that is the truth of it, comrades. I would like to believe it, my friend, but I cannot... Are you implying that I lie, citizen? How do you know? Are you the Pimpernel? <laughs> uh, do not make light of me. Do not make light of me. I know because I saw proof. What proof? The Duc de Lamoignon told the story himself in my presence. But you said he had been beaten and thrown overboard. The beating was not harsh enough. He was a man of strength. The water revived him and he swam ashore. And he told the tale I have told you with his dying breath. I see. And you are certain he named the Pimpernel? With my own ears I heard it, and with my own eyes I saw. So what? Notes from the Pimpernel, found in the Lamoignon's quarters. Notes signed with a little red flower the devil uses as his symbol. Ah, how do you like the comrade's tale, huh? I must quench his thirst in exchange. Take a glass with my compliments, citizen. Ah, merci, monsieur, merci. But uh, you do not drink yourself? The hour is late, and my woman waits for me. And mine waits with her. We should rather face Madame la Guillotine than keep those two waiting. <laughs> Good night. Good night to you all. Well, Blakeney, what do you make of that? There's only one thing to make of it. Some devil is using the name of the Scarlet Pimpernel as a cloak for robbery and murder. They'll come to fear the Pimpernel on one side as they fear the guillotine on the other. A good man dead. A mother and her two daughters tossed into the sea. Well, get the two best horses you can find, Tony. Meet me at the Orient Gate in an hour. Where do we go? To Marseille. To bring a murderer to justice. <laughs> In a moment, Marius Goring returns as the Scarlet Pimpernel. The Scarlet Pimpernel. We rode day and night, changing horses on the way. When we reached Marseille, we adopted the dress of waterfront ruffians and loitered about the horse, spreading a little rumor of our own. 
We've been at this four nights now, Blakeney. I wish we'd get some sort of a nibble. Don't worry, we will. As soon as the word... Citizens! Who's that? Girl over there. By those wine casks. Why do the citizens walk about on the damp wharfs when Manette is lonesome for company and the wine of the cafes? A good question, citizeness, if one knows where the wine may be obtained without cost. Manette knows where two such handsome men might drink without money. Then Manette knows a secret we have not learned. Perhaps. We all have secrets which might be exchanged. What do you mean? There is a rumor about that two men such as you know the hiding place of a wealthy aristo. This was what we've been waiting for. She moved close to us, her voice low, her eyes luminous as they reflected the faint light of the moon. I know one who would pay well for such information. The police of Citizen Chauvelin would pay well, Citizeness. <laughs> but not well enough. The aristo we know of is very wealthy. Why should we take a few hundred francs and have his fortune seized by the Republic? We seek a man who will share the fortune of the aristo with us. A man who has made a fortune himself recently. We speak of the same man. The Scarlet Pimpernel. The Scarlet Pimpernel, eh? <laughs> All right, Manette. Take us to him. No, citizen. Why not? His only direct contact will be with the Aristo you name. But we must deal with him, too. You shall deal with him, monsieur. But only through me. Whoever he was, he was keeping himself hidden, all right. We had to get past the girl and find the man who gave her orders. Name your Aristo, citizen. Name him and tell me where he is. I will speak only when I have proof that a bargain may be made. What sort of proof? A ship, mademoiselle. The bait that may be used for the Aristo to uncover his fortune. A ship that we too may borrow to protect our own interests. You will not deal with me, then? No, mademoiselle. Very well. Perhaps you will regret it. That is something we will know in time. In a short time. You will take us to him then? Follow me. I'll say one thing for the pair of you. You fought a good fight for Frenchies. No, it ain't no use training. You're bound good and proper. We. Oui. But for what purpose? To loosen your tongue, I might. You got valuable information. Oh, Blake. Are you all right, citizen comrade? Citizen? Uh, uh, we, we comrade. But my head throbs. Well, now that you two of you are awake, suppose we have a talk. Oh, what is it you wish to know? You know where some rich Frenchy aristocrat is hiding. What's his name and where is he? We will talk only to your leader, whoever he may be. Do not waste time. The hiding place of our Aristo is suspect. He may be arrested any hour, and all will be lost. More than 50 million francs in gold. 50 million in gold? Compared to this one, the Duc de Lamoignon was a beggar. Tell your master, and tell him quickly. If such a fortune is lost through delay, he may not deal kindly with you. All right, Frenchies.
moment, Marius Goring returns as the Scarlet Pimpernel. The Scarlet Pimpernel. The man in the red mask was confident, sure of himself as he stared down at us. If I had known his voice, it was also possible that he might know Tony and me, perhaps well enough to see through our disguise of French seamen. I waited tensely for a sign of recognition, but none came. I'll give you two minutes, my French friends. In those two minutes, you'll either tell me the name you refuse to tell my bosun, or I'll have you killed. Can we trust you, monsieur? <laughs> the question is, can you afford not to? Tell him, comrade, for such a fortune, even the devil would not play us false. Very well. If you are in agreement, comrade. The name? We can lead you to the hiding place of Le Baron Seagal. Baron Seagal? I have struck home. His entire bearing became one of avarice. For I had named the wealthiest aristocrat in the south of France. A man sought by every revolutionary in the country. The address of the hiding place. Give me the address and I guarantee you freedom and a fair share of the Seagal fortune. But there is no address. The cursed Aristo hides out in a hut in the woods beyond the city. Only one who knows the paths may find it. You hold the power of life and death over us, monsieur. If we play you false... If you play me false, I will know how to deal with you. Then quickly, monsieur. Remove our bonds and follow us. Hidden away as he is, the Baron will not have heard of the fate of the de la Magnon. For the Pimpernel, <laughs> he will certainly uncover his gold. All right. As we left the deck, the ship's lantern showed up the name. Princess of Dover. We were rowed ashore. Somewhere on land, we'd have to make a move, a sudden move, and it might be our last. I waited until we were in the narrow, sloping streets, walking ahead of the others. Say when, Blackney. At the end of this street. I'll try a ruse. Be ready to run when I do. Wish our hands were free. So Talk louder, you two, or say nothing. No more mumbling. We were discussing the best way to reach our destination, monsieur. I say this way, but my comrade does not agree. You are always lost in the city at night. Oh, bah, if we took your way, we should wind up in Paris. Monsieur, the road he would take would lead us back along the quay. Ask any of your men who know the town. Look down there. 
he would have us turn to the left, beyond the second arch. For a split second, they turned away from us, and that was all we needed. As their heads moved, so did we. Before they could wheel and fire, Tony and I had sprinted into the darkness of the nearest alleyway. They're coming, Blakely. If one of us catches a bullet... They won't fire. They want us alive. I don't think we can outrun them with our hands bound. We don't want to outrun them. Just stay far enough ahead. Keep them following. Turn the next corner. You have some definite place? Yes. Yes, the police barracks in the square. Are you mad, Blakeney? We can't run into the arms of the French police. Why not, Tony? They're on our side. After all, isn't our pursuer... The Scarlet Pimpernel? I made straight for the docks, running all the way until my heart and lungs seemed about to burst with the exertion. I had to get there first. I had to see and identify the face that had been hidden under that red mask. When I reached the waterfront, the small boat that had brought us ashore was still tied where it had been left. I sat on the edge of the dock in the shadows and waited. You, you, sitting there on the dock. Oui, monsieur. Come here to me at once. You sound like you are accustomed to ordering people about, monsieur. I say, come here, you filthy beggar, before I take this gun and blow your head off. There are soldiers about, monsieur. If you passed here a moment ago looking for something <laughs> or someone, they would surely hear a gun. Look, you fool. I offer you a chance to earn some money. Gold. More than you've ever seen before. In exchange for what? Get me some men. A few seamen who can serve as oarsmen. I have a ship lying in the harbor. I must get to it. You sound like you must get to it urgently, monsieur. You sound as though your life depends on it. Your life and your freedom. The price for each of those commodities comes rather high. I said I'd pay you, you fool. How much? Anything, anything you ask. A very fair offer, monsieur. Then come here and take this gold. Suppose I bring some men, monsieur. We could take your gold and drop you into the sea. But why? For what reason? Must there be a reason, monsieur? It has happened before. It happened not long ago. In this same harbor. To a family named Lamoignon. Come here. Come here and let me see your face. Oh, by heaven, I swear this gun will... Oh... I will let you see my face, monsieur, and you will remove your mask and let me see yours. Why, you... You're the one who led me into the trap, you French... Don't you talk of traps, monsieur, to betray a man for gold, to kill a woman and her children. Listen, help me. You can have everything I got from them, every stool. I want only one thing from you, monsieur, and look at your face. Might as well drop it. It won't fire again. Let go of me. Let go. When I have seen your face. I saw him. A face I knew. The face of Sir Thomas Landers. A man I had sometimes ridden with, gambled with. A man we had almost trusted enough to bring into the League of the Scarlet Pimpernel. And I blessed whatever instinct had made me decide against him. Why do you stare at me? Am I worse than you murdering French? Yes, Landers. Afraid <laughs> you are. Much worse. And I'm not French. You... I know you. I know your voice. Your face is strange, but... But I know your voice. 
I, I can't remember, but, but I know it. Who are you? Let's just say that um, I'm the man you pretended to be. Uh, Scarlet Pimpernel. Thomas Landers, you have been condemned as an English spy by the tribunal and sentenced to death. In a moment, Marius Goring returns as the Scarlet Pimpernel. Scarlet Pimpernel. Help yourself to more wine, citizen captain. <laughs> Merci, citizen Chauvelin. Usually, you know, I do not drink so much. <laughs> but it is a glorious day for the Republic now that the Pimpernel has lost his head to Madame la Guillotine. I will not forget you, captain. You will know the gratitude of citizen Chauvelin. Oh. I did my duty quickly as the need arose. Of course, there was some help from the citizen I spoke of. Uh, a clever man. Well, he shall have his 10,000 francs reward. He deserves it. What time did you say he would come? Oh, he should be here now. I, I instructed him to come to your home at 10 o'clock tonight. It is almost 11. Oh, well, he is probably delayed by friends and well-wishers in some tavern. What are you staring at? That letter under the door. Was it there when I entered? No. It was not there a moment ago. Could some messenger have knocked without us hearing? Perhaps some petitioner afraid to disturb me for. Citizen Chauvelin, what is wrong? This letter! With a red flower! The Adventures of the Scarlet Pimpernel... Starring Marius Goring, with music composed and conducted by Sidney Torch. 
produced by Harry Allen Towers.